All right. Good morning, church. Great to see you guys on New Year's Eve day. I kept calling this New Year's Day because it's like it's, it's daytime, but it's not New Year's Day. That's tomorrow, and we'll be talking about that. So don't get confused. I'm sorry if I confuse you. My name is Spencer. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, excited for this opportunity. Glad you guys are here, by the way, the, the, the faithful few who showed up on a holiday that's not Christmas for a church. So glad to see you guys' faces this morning. Um, we're going to keep things kind of simple this morning, but I do feel like we're going to look at a passage that does have something specific to say to us from the Lord. Um, for where we are right now as a church and where we are as people going through, you know, 2017 becoming 2018 and the season that we're in. And so I, I'm just excited. I feel like the Lord really had a word for us this week. And so um, I'm going to have us pray one more time just because I want God to, to be in this moment, to be in my words so that they be his words. And so if you guys would pray with me real fast. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around your name, around your table, and around your people, Lord. And I just pray, God, for the rest of this message, the rest of the service this morning, that your spirit would just be in this place, in this room, in these words, that your text would come alive, your, your living word, Lord, would be um, rich in our hearts and in our conversation, Lord, and that you would be able to direct our steps, direct our hearts, um, as we step into a new year tonight and into tomorrow, Lord. So we pray that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so who here remembers their wedding day, or at least some part of it, okay? Some of you, that's not, that doesn't qualify. Okay, I know some of us is like, eh, it's like a really long time ago. Some of us is not that long. Mine wasn't that long. It was like, I think, six years ago or and change. But it's, it's still, I barely remember that much of it. I don't even think we got to eat our own food at the wedding because it was so busy, right? Like, it's just, it's kind of a crazy day, but it's a really important day. Like, weddings are, are exciting. They're fun. They're days when you kind of say, hey, we've been together for a long time. We're going to start something new today, and we're going to move into the future future together as husband and as wife. And so there's this, I, I spend a lot of times around weddings, I film them on the side, and so I see a lot of different weddings, right? And there's so, some are really, really fun, some are really, really uncomfortable and stiff, and you know, to be honest, okay, that's just real, and, but that's, that's fine, it's not their fault. But, um, it, you know... People are people, okay? So, so it's, but there's always, no matter what, there's this sense of a long-awaited promise or hope being fulfilled, okay? Something that you've been waiting for is happening today. It's always that day. Everyone looks their best. Everyone's smiling, unless it's raining. But it's just like, it's great. That it's great, okay? So everyone's like, no matter what, when we leave here today, we are married. That's happening, and that's an exciting thing. And so at weddings, what happens a lot of times is you look back and you look forward, right? Especially in toasts. Okay, toasts are, toasts are great because a lot of times, Sometimes you see someone tell stories about the past, and depending on who's speaking, those stories can be a little bit embarrassing and fun, okay? Or it's the father of the bride, and it's weepy and sweet and stuff like that. But you look back. You say, this is the, I've seen you grow up. I've seen your life. I've seen this relationship develop. But we're looking forward because today, you guys' status changes. You're now husband and wife. You're stepping into a new future. And I feel like today, where we are right now, is very similar to that. We're at the end of 2017. Tonight, in a few hours, almost 12 hours from now, and so we'll be stepping into 2018. And a lot of times when we celebrate New Year's Eve, there's those same two elements. We're looking back at a year that's minus 12 and a half hours or so is, is behind us. It's gone. 2017 has happened, okay, believe it or not. And then 2018 is in front of us, and we're looking forward to what's ahead. And I think a lot of times we don't really know what to do with that situation. And so we're going to look at a text this morning um, in Joshua, in the Old Testament. In Joshua 3, if you have a Bible with you, pull that out. Um, we're going to look at a story when God's people were in a similar situation where they're making a massive transition from who they were to who they're going to 
become as they cross the Jordan River. So it's in Joshua chapter three, verse 14. The verses will be up on the slides. or They already are there. Amazing. You guys are crushing it. Um, I'm gonna give some context before we read this story so that it makes sense to us, okay? So the story of Exodus, right, is one of the most beloved stories, most well-known stories, Moses and Egypt and Pharaoh and the plagues, okay? Exodus was, is a big deal, but Exodus is not like an episode that exists in its own universe and it never has any implications, right? That's part of a story where God's people were rescued from slavery in Egypt to a new future, to a new life as a new people, okay? And so what we have is God's people come out with Moses as their leader from Exodus through Egypt, the Red Sea parts. It's a miraculous deliverance, right, from a, a past of slavery and, its, and, and servitude into a new identity. And God says, I have called you to be my people. You're going to go to my, the land that I've prepared for you, the land of Canaan. It's not that far. It's a few days walk across the Sinai Peninsula into modern day Israel and Jordan. Okay. So the land of Canaan is not that far. What happens though, is these, the people of Israel send spies ahead to say, what is this land like? that we're about to inherit. Let's go look at it. And so in the book of Numbers chapter 13, they send 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go see what is this land like. They come back after a week or so, and 10 of the 12 go, there is no chance that we're ever going to win. We're never going to make it because we've seen the people who live there. They're huge. We're like ants compared to them. They have technology we don't have. They have weapons we can't handle. There's, like, there, there's so many of them, they're so big, we have no chance. And there's two, Joshua and Caleb, who say, no, the Lord has promised this to us, and we're going to take it, okay? So, unfortunately, the, the people, because of their faithlessness to believe the promise that God had for them could be fulfilled, which... I mean, they just walked through the Red Sea and saw Pharaoh's army destroyed and manna has been falling from heaven as miraculous food. I don't know why it's so hard to think, oh, maybe God's right about this too, but I don't wanna judge, okay? We're all, we're all fallen and broken and all that stuff, but um, they're basically saying, we, we don't believe this. We, we wanna go back to Egypt. We've come out here to die. How have you done this to us? Thank you very little, Moses and God. And so as a punishment for that, God says, great, if you don't want it, you don't get it. And so he ends up having them wander in circles for 40 years. And so all the people who said there's no way would no longer be a part of the nation. And their kids would be the ones who inherited the promise of walking in to the land of Canaan, okay? And so that's where we pick the story up in Joshua 3. Moses has recently passed away, gone to be with the Lord. Joshua is now, again, Joshua from those 12 spies. Joshua is now in charge of the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And now they are up against the Jordan River, okay? So the Jordan River lies between them and the promise. 40 years of waiting in its flood season, of course, okay? So the river is massive, it's swollen, it's big enough. There's, we don't know how many thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people trying to cross with everything they own into this land, okay? So let's pick up the story, Joshua 3. This is what God says to do. So actually... I, I forgot a piece. So God says, in order for you to inherit the land, I need you to send your priests and your people with the Ark of the Covenant to just stand in the river. Just stand in the river, okay? So this is what happened. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead, okay? Now the Jordan is at flood stage during all of harvest, which is the springtime for them. So it was so big, it's normally 150 feet wide. It may have been so wide, it looked like a small sea at this point in time. So there should be some echoes to the Red Sea story here, okay? Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, 
the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. Okay, so that word, those words piled up in a great heap should remind us again of the story of the Red Sea, God's deliverance to these people, the generation before we're seeing it happen again. So the story continues on. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, which is right where they're next to, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by, all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Again, echoes to the Red Sea. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, again, on dry ground, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua did that. He called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, which is 12, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Okay, so who here, there's a line, I think it's in a Christmas song, it says, here I raise mine Ebenezer. Does that sound kind of familiar to some of us? Okay, Ebenezer is a Hebrew word. Eben is, is stone, and Ezer means help. So that's, Ebenezer is a stone of helping. That, that line in that song refers to this exact story. These stones are to be a help and a reminder of what God had done in the people of Israel's story and in their nation's life. And so, as we look at this story, I think there's two really important things for us to pull out of it in this morning. So if you're taking notes, um, you can write this down. If not, that's okay. I don't take it personally, but God might. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the first thing is this as we look at this story. Do not forget what the Lord has done. Do not forget what the Lord has done. We stand here straddling, right, the end of one year and the start of the next. And as, as uh, Drew had us just a few minutes ago say, remember what the Lord has done in our lives. The nation of Israel is, is walking in the fulfillment of some incredible promises this day. This is the day. This is like the wedding day. It's all pointing to this. They finally entered the land that they've been waiting for. for I mean, can, I can't imagine 40 years of wandering in circles and how it must have felt to finally breakthrough, to finally cross the Jordan, to finally say, oh my gosh, we're here. This actually exists. This isn't some myth that I, I've been doubting my whole life. This is real. We are finally here. And so this is a big deal. And it's tucked in there. And in verse 17, if you're reading, if you have it in front of you, there's a little, it said, we read it just a minute ago. I didn't notice it the first time. It says, as the priests walked through and all the people in the nation of Israel passed through the river. That's the first time in the entire Bible that the people of Israel are called a nation. Right here in this story, as they walk through, as they transition from a people wandering the desert to a nation 
entering the land that God had promised for them, their status changed because they were now inheriting the promise that God had for them. And God had, again, a miraculous deliverance for this to happen. He stopped the river from flowing. We don't know how. There's a, that spot near Adam, there's a, it's a, I forget the name. There's a city there today. There was a mudslide in 1927 there that stopped the river for 20 hours. It didn't flow at all for 20 hours. So that area is prone to mudslides. God could have ordained that while the nation passed through. He could have done something like he did at the Red Sea. Either way, God stopped this flooding river so that his people could cross because God was going to fulfill the promise that he had for them, right? Just like he did for their predecessors who stood at the edge of the Red Sea and said, death is in front of us because we can't swim and death's behind us because Pharaoh's coming with all of his army. We're stuck, we're trapped, there's no solution. And God said, no, there is a way. And that's what happened in this story. And so God says, set up a tangible reminder for yourselves, right? Because we are so prone to forget what the Lord has done. Is that, is that not true, right? I don't know if that's true for me. You may not want to admit it right now. But we are so prone to forget the good things the Lord has done for us. And instead, focusing on the things that we're scared of, the things that didn't happen, the things that we're not sure of, right? Those cloud our mind. And so as we reflect on the end of 2017, I feel like the Lord wants to say, I want you to control to dictate your perspective as you look back. Don't let your perspective be dictated by the things that you read, the things that you fear, the things that you're scared of, the things you're not sure of. Dictate your perspective by saying, I'm gonna focus on what the Lord has done. I'm gonna focus on how God has gotten me through this year, how I'm standing here today, because all of you are here today, and so you're here today because the Lord has gotten you through, and some of you are walking through some really challenging stuff, but we wanna look back with eyes of faith that said the Lord has gotten me to this point. And so I remember there was a time in college. um, My wife and I got married in college, so right before our senior year. And so as juniors, we knew we were going to get married that following summer, and we couldn't live on campus. Our college didn't have married housing, so they were like, good luck, you know, get out. And so um, we knew that we needed to find a place to live. And so we're looking all over, and we're, I mean, we don't have any money. We're working like part-time jobs at the library, and I don't even know what we did, laundry, like for the athletic, I mean, like, okay, we don't have a lot. And so we're just saying, we need, we need a place to live. We're living in East LA County, not a great place to live, but also still really expensive, um, which is why LA is not my favorite place on earth, but great place to visit. So, um, we're just looking, and I just remember we, we couldn't find anything. No one wanted us, right? Because we had no credit because we had no credit cards, and we had never borrowed any money. And so they're like, you don't even have a credit score because you've never borrowed anything except student loans. I'm like, cool. Okay, so that's neat. And then, um, you know, they're like, you don't make any money because you're just working part-time because you're a full-time student. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's true. And then just our family situations, we didn't really have the opportunity to have someone co-sign because... They didn't have great credit either at that time in life. So we're looking around us saying, how in the world are we ever going to live somewhere? Are we going to live in a van in the parking lot our first year of marriage and sneak into the dorms to take showers? Or are we going to actually have a roof over our heads? And I just remember being so discouraged one day. And I just looked at Lindsay and I was just like, I just want some good news. I just want some good news. Like, I was just so low, feeling like, I know we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to get married this summer. That is what the Lord wants. And I'm looking around and saying, how is this going to work? And I just remember coming to the Lord, and both of us just said, Lord, we just need some good news today. And I kid you not, within 24 hours, someone took a chance on this young couple and said, no, we don't have any problem with that. You guys are great. 
Why don't you just, you can rent one of our apartments from us. It'll be fine. You'll figure it out. And I just remember being like, this is a miracle. Like, we lived in a 300-square-foot studio, which was fine, um, but we had a place to live. And I remember that story encouraging us in a recent time, a couple years ago, when, you know, once again, we're facing a challenge, right? Our College is expensive, right? Can anyone get an amen on that? Okay, some of you know. Some of you know. So we're about, basically the bills are about to come due. And a couple years ago, we're saying, okay, we're making it. But I don't know how we're going to make it in two months when all of a sudden, all the money we borrowed is going to be due. All of a sudden. And we just said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. But I've seen it happen before. And I have faith that it's going to happen again. We, we didn't do that great. Okay, I'm not some perfect saint. We were definitely worried, concerned. But we sat there and just said, we're going to wait on the Lord because I trust the Lord is going to come through. And lo and behold, a month before our status changed, I met a guy in California at a conference who ended up saying, yeah, we're looking for a couple in Littleton to run a community ministry program at an apartment complex. He named the complex. I said, I live there right now. He said, we want you right now. One month later, right, like, we have a new job, rent discount. God covered things. It was, an, it was like, I couldn't have made that up in my mind to say, how is this going to happen? But God came through, and we were strengthened in that moment because we looked back and said, God has done this before. And that's what God's asking us to do. He's asking the people of Israel to say, do not forget what the Lord has done. Dictate your perspective because you're always, we're always going to face a new challenge. But if we never look back and say, I've seen it happen before, I'm going to trust that it's going to happen again. We're so, guys, our hearts are so fickle, right? Are they not? We need encouragement. We need help. And so as as we step into 2017, dictate your perspective in the past and say, I'm going to look back with faith. I'm going to write it down. If you're a journaler, journal stuff. Remember today. Say, what has the Lord done this year? If, you, if you're on Facebook, you might want to look back at your pictures this year to remember the moments. You say, oh, I remember when God did that. I remember this. It was an incredible time with my family. This, this trip was awesome. Whatever it was, in the conversations you have as you look back on this year, color it with faith. Color it with what has the Lord done for us. And the reason we do that is number two is that we do not want to forget that the Lord is not done. Do not forget that the Lord is not done. Weddings are, as we've talked about all morning, weddings are a finish line of sorts, right? You finally stopped dating. You're not engaged. You're not the fancy F word fiance anymore. You're like husband and wife. It's done, okay? But we'd be fools if we said that's the finish line, right? Like that's the starting line for most of us, okay? Like, I mean, we walk out like I'm a husband, but you don't know what you're doing, okay? Like we all know that. You have no idea what you're doing. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But the people of Israel crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, right? And they're there, and they, that was a finish line, right? They crossed a finish line, but that was not the finish line. You'll notice it's tucked in the story again in verse 16. It says they crossed the river opposite Jericho. And if you know your Bible, you know that story too. That's actually immediately, yeah, it says right here, Joshua 3.16, how about that, okay? So they cross opposite Jericho, right? The next story in Joshua is when they take the city of Jericho, and then they take the city of Ai, and then the city of Bethel, and then they go on and go on and go on because they had stepped into the land that was promised to them, but it had not been taken. They hadn't fulfilled all the way. God had said, this whole land is yours, and all they had done is step over into it. 
So that was a massive finish line, but they were not done. The Lord was not done. And it's tempting for us when we see amazing things happen in our lives or we see God do something where we encounter God in a certain way to say, this is good. Let's camp here. Let's stay here. This was good. Let's do this again. Okay, whether it's like a song or a retreat or something your family does. I don't know what it is, but we're tempted to say, I saw God do that this way, and I want to see it happen again. So I'm going to stay here. We're going to do this over and over again. And guys, if the nation of Israel had said, we just saw God move in this amazing, dramatic way, let's stay here. Let's see it happen again. Let's just remember this moment. They would have missed out on all the things that God still wanted them to do because God was still at work and God still wanted to use them. And in, in the same, in our lives, God is still up to something. The Lord is not done in our lives or in our lives as a church, you notice Moses is not the one who takes them into the promised land. You ever thought about that? That's a kind of a raw deal for him, that he had to be the man who had to fight Pharaoh and then take them all the way through the Exodus and be the, like, I mean, can you imagine how much stress and hard that would be? He also had a stutter. I can't imagine talking to Pharaoh with a stutter, but he ends up leading the nation, and then God says, cool, you're going to take them around in circles for 40 years, and then you're going to die. Awesome. Okay? He's like, I'll take you up on the mountain, and you can see. You can see the promised land, but you won't enter it. Joshua will. And that's, I mean, again, is that fair? I don't know. I don't think anything we get in life is fair, and I think that's a good thing because God is good to us, better than we deserve. But Joshua is a new leader for a new day. Joshua was the one that God said, I want him to take them into the next chapter. And so I think... As a church, a lot of us kind of are saying, hey, we're, we're, we're in between chapters right now. I think we all know that. And I think we've got to remember from this story that we follow the Lord. We don't follow a person. And the Lord is going to call a new leader for a new day. And that's okay. Because I know it's a silly example, but I'm a huge football fan, college football fan, which is why this is the best time of year right now. It's on all the time. It's so great. Um, but like, okay, so I'm a fan of Oregon. And they had a great coach come in this year. Great coach. And he left. One year, he left. He got a better job. He's out the door. And it's so tempting to say, we need to find someone just like him. We need to, we need to go. We need to, uh, it wor- he was great. We need to find someone just like him. It's never going to be the same. It's never going to be as good. But, and this, again, this is a silly. Sports are silly. We just like them. But um, just say, hey, you know what? When, when someone new comes in, they do something different, and you see it work, you go, you know what? This is okay. This is okay. And then they keep working. And you say, you know what? This guy may have even been better. And I'm not trying to make any statements about about this church, but I'm saying we have to recognize as we step into 2018 with faith to say maybe there is someone out there that God is calling to step into the life of this church to lead into the next generation, to lead into the new day, and that's okay. Because we don't follow a person, we follow the Lord, right? The Lord calls someone. It says, Joshua 3, 7, the start of the story that I skipped for this very reason, this is how the story begins. God says this to Joshua, It'll show up here any second. Yes, okay. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know, the people of Israel may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Okay, Can, I mean, put yourself in Joshua's shoes for a second. How in the world do you follow Moses? Okay, like that's not fair. That is not a fair assignment to say, hey, Moses is only the most legendary leader in the Old Testament, um, but you get to be his, his predecessor or successor. Like, good luck, kid. Like, 
you, you got this. It's like, no, that's brutal. That's a brutal assignment. But the Lord said today, I will exalt you in the eyes of them so they will know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Because that's what matters. What matters is that the Lord is with us. The Lord is with them because the Lord is our leader. The Lord is our shepherd, right? And so as we step into a new day, we wanna look back and recognize the Lord has done amazing things in us. But the Lord is not done. Because those things in the past, the things we look at to say, this is what the Lord has done, they exist to point us to a future that says the Lord can do that again. The Lord can do it again. The Lord can do it even better than he did then. And those stones were set up to exist to be a reminder. And what's interesting is it's not just to remind the people who were there. It says, so that your children may look at you and say, why are these stones here? And you can say to them, there was once a time that the Lord brought us through and made us a nation, a bunch of slaves who had no idea what they were doing or who they were and turned us into a people, turned us into a nation, gave us a land all our own for his glory. The Lord raised us up out of nothing for his own name's sake. And we wanna remember that. Those stones existed to pass the faith on to the next generation. Because as you see in the Old Testament, story after story, chapter after chapter, that's the struggle. Book to book, Joshua to Judges, Judges to Ruth, is that there's a new generation that comes up that hasn't seen these things. They haven't seen the Exodus. They haven't seen the Jordan River crossing. They haven't seen these amazing moves of God. And so they're challenged to, to connect with God in their own way. And they need these reminders. They need the generation ahead of them to say, hey, don't you forget this. We saw this. This was real. And as someone who's from a younger generation who's in his 20s, I can look at you guys and say, man, I need you. We need those of you who've been in the faith for decades. We need you. We need your encouragement. We need your strength. We need you to say, I've seen the Lord do amazing things, and he can do it again. I heard a pastor say once, you guys are the, the generals in the army of faith who pass on the message, pass on the encouragement, pass on the wisdom, pass on the strength to say, hey, I know that you're facing a new challenge. I know that you're facing things that scare the heck out of you, but we've faced it too, and God was faithful. And so this morning, as we wrap up, we want to remember that God is faithful. God's been faithful in our past. No matter how today might feel, we can all choose to dictate our perspective and look back and say, God has been faithful to me. And we use that to say, God is not done. 2018 is going to be better than 2017. I'm going to believe that the best is yet to come, that God's story never ends, that we just get closer and closer to the finish line of faith, that we can look forward with great expectation and say, the Lord is good. He is faithful. 2018, get out. Like, you better watch out because I am coming for you with God by my side. And so this morning, as we reflect on that, we're going to take a moment. We're going to take communion. Um, and we're going to reflect because communion is the same thing. We look back at a tangible reminder that God paid the ultimate price for us, that that was a real event, and we remember that in a tangible way, and that gives us strength to go forward to say the Lord is good. God has got this. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this story, Lord. Um, that we can be encouraged by their faith, Lord, and also, God, that everything points to you, Jesus. That we can remember that you came 
that you paid an ultimate price. You showed us what life is like. And then you, you sacrificed yourself for us to have freedom, Lord. And you rose again. And God, I just pray right now as we step into this, this space and the, this time of communion, Lord, that we reflect on how good you have been to us. We reflect on how unwilling and undeserving we are of your grace and let you offer it to us freely, Lord. And so I just pray, God, for faith in this room as we, as we reflect on this. In Jesus' name, and everyone has said, amen.